You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! What is going on, all you amazing people out there in podcast land? We are Mike and Kristen, and we are on the Wayne Gretzky episode. That is episode 99, Every, for anyone that's not a sports fan Everybody, there. Everybody knows Wayne Gretzky. Everybody knows 99. Wayne. Might not know his number. Oh, he's... What about, I got 99 problems, but podcasting ain't one. Yeah, that's, that's a new song. You just came up with that right now. See? Yeah. I remember the time that we had reached... 99 in the world for our podcast ranking yeah and our friends bought us a celebratory bottle of booze that was wayne gretzky no was it wayne gretzky yeah oh i was thinking snoop because he also has a a liquor line doesn't he okay well there was a bottle of booze with 99 on it to celebrate he has like nine crimes or isn't it something yeah anyways it was either snoop or (laughs) wayne gretzky no it was wayne gretzky same person they're so alike they're very similar. Yes. Nonetheless, we we are one episode shy of 100, so And we're still just still just living large in the in the aftermath of Podfest where we took in so many amazing speakers, amazing people that we met and trying to implement a lot of the stuff we we took from that into our episodes moving forward. And right now we have a new segment, which we don't have a name for yet, and maybe we don't need a specific name, but the idea of it is, is that we're going to discuss a quote or maybe a song lyric or a passage from a book, and yeah, we'll, we'll read it and we'll just talk about it for a minute, just to have a little, what, what were some names you thought of, Kristen, or what, what's, what's your idea behind this? <laughs> I feel the word mindful is a bit overused these days, but you and I spend a fair bit of time in some type of mindful practice, really. And a lot of that is a lot of that's born from reading something and then we'll talk about it. And we thought, well, why not incorporate that into our shows and give our listeners something to ponder as well? So something in the maybe mindfulness in the Maritimes or mulling Not over br- blue noser brain exercises that's a terrible one but you know where i'm going with it <laughs> blue noser brain exercises <laughs> you know what that's probably going to be what it ends up yeah. being um, called because it's terrible but everyone likes a good quote like it's just something something someone else out there in the world said that sums thing, uh, things up in a way that maybe we never thought of before but we can mm-hmm. kind of relate to it and just, you know, just really connect with it. And uh, this week's, what do you say, blue noser brain exercise? Yes. Yeah, beautiful. But yeah, also, <laughs> we want to hear from you about what we should call this, or if you have any inspiring quotes, or maybe you came up with a quote yourself. Then... I don't know that anyone's going to come up with a better name, really, than blue nose brain exercises. <laughs> but if, you, if something does come to mind, we would definitely love to hear about yeah. it. And we'll give you full credit on air for that title. Oh, 100%. Yeah, just 
get in touch on social media. We'll share about this in our stories and stuff on on the gram there. But uh, this week's quote is one that we heard at PodFest. And I don't even know who said it. Uh, it was one of the speeches you we went to, and they were quoting someone else. So <laughs> a few uh, levels of uh, telephone going on there. But this is it. The person who says it cannot be done should not interrupt the one doing it. Hmm. So what what was it about this quote that you wanted to kick off this series? I think I think of a lot of our listeners are inspired people, you know, people who are doing doing good things, big and small, doesn't doesn't matter. But I feel like in the world when you go out and try to go after something, there's always naysayers. There's always people who maybe aren't giving you that push that you that you that you need or want or that maybe they should be giving you. And I just feel like this quote is saying kind of screw anyone else out there who's not being supportive. You're doing it. That's all that matters. The people who aren't doing it, they have no power over what you're attempting to do. I think there's often a level of envy too if somebody's going to discourage or critique you from following a passion or a dream yeah there's there's something there that's happening with that other person not with you it can be intimidating to see people around you changing their lives in a positive way so not at the risk of adding a quote to a quote i also read something recently that your friends are happy for you so long as you're not doing better than them or something to that effect. Uh, and I, I thought that was such a interesting way or interesting perspective to think about, like, just think about the people around you and, and those that are really going for it. There's something that can feel intimidating or, or confronting about that because it makes you question your own life. If the people, if your friends aren't supportive of what you're doing, you probably need new friends too. Probably. I, but there's, you have to also be looking out for that person and what they're going through and maybe what's holding them back from yeah. pursuing something and not having that same level of bravery that you might be experiencing. It does take a lot of courage and timing is important. When I first heard this quote, it very much took me back to the time when I left my government job to yeah. do all of this life. And yeah. certainly I was fortunate to have people in my corner that believed in me and continue to believe in me. but. There were also a number of people that were like, you are crazy. Like, yeah. what are you thinking to, we're in a recession, we're, you're going to be leaving behind benefits. Like, this is the kind of life and job that everybody wants. And you're going to do it to do what? Be a yeah. painter? Are you nuts? And it's hard not to listen to that to some extent, because some of these people are those that you respect, admire, and you believe have your best interest at heart. Yeah, but they don't know what you're you're going through, what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And this quote certainly sums that up perfectly. Like, why should they, they, people who have never done what you've done, be interrupting what you're trying to do and holding you back in some way? Nobody can appreciate and understand what you go through every single day to get up and live your life. Yeah. So it's... Which is bittersweet because that means that you only have yourself to draw upon that motivation from. 
Uh, we can be inspired by others around us, but ultimately it boils down to what are you going to do about it? And you have our podcast to listen to to help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other people in the world. This is your brain exercise. Yeah, this is the blue noser brain exercise. See, it's just rolling off your tongue Number already. <laughs> on the Wayne Gretzky. Somebody please give us a new name. On the Wayne Gretzky episode, mm -hmm. which happens to be featuring Mike Morrison from Cape Breton Island, musician, a drummer for the band Fire Valley Fire. He was the drummer for the band Rock Ranger, who got a lot of success in and around the Maritimes. We talk about Jay Smith, amazing guitar player, singer who fronted that band, played with Matt Mays and tragically passed away and was obviously a great friend of Mike. But yeah, Mike, Mike's a great guy. He's also a teacher, teaches shop in uh, mm. Sydney. And yeah, we, we, we talk about the music industry, his journey getting to this point in his life and coming to some forks in the road where he had to decide what he had to do and what made sense. And yeah, great chat with a great guy. It's a great episode to shed a little light on finding ways to continue to integrate that creativity into your life, despite him working full time and having a family and living a whole life. He's still able to have this passion be part of what he does day to day. Yeah. He's established friendships he's had for years. We talk about that and through all the ups and downs that he's had in his music career, he's still at it. And I say, yeah. I think that says a lot and really speaks to the quote that we just shared. It does for sure. Yeah. And we're going to play a Fire Valley Fire song at the end. I did not open the email yet, so I don't know what song. So it's going to be a <laughs> surprise for everybody. It's a mystery for yeah, everyone. But it's going to be awesome because they are a great band. And yeah, they, uh, they've got a couple albums out. Great, all great guys in the band and. Mike is here representing them and obviously is his own story. But uh, And we yeah. can all use a little fire in our lives given all of the snow that we're yeah. buried under here in Nova Scotia. Jeez, yeah. We we got it like we I would call this a pretty bad snowfall here in Halifax, but it's nothing compared to what they've got in Cape Breton so far back home. It's funny, I was talking with my dad this morning, whose snowblower broke under the stress uh -oh. of trying to clear his driveway multiple times, but I was like, is this how it was, though, all the time when you were a kid? And he said, yeah, that he remembers th this storm we're having right now that we, Cape Breton has declared a state of emergency over was just every day or every <laughs> winter with him growing up. So I've been thinking about that, too. I mean, the impacts of climate change are evident in all the ways, but... It, it, isn't it funny that here we are X number of years later and we consider this a provincial state of emergency? Well, it is. I'm not in, criticizing in that Cape decision. Breton, that this that time over which a snow fell is the most it's ever fell in one time in the province, I believe. Yeah, it, it, I'm not discrediting. It's wild and people, yes, I understand, are not even able to leave their houses. It is an emergency. But it, just to say that... Well, in the past, it was... we. It would snow and it wouldn't melt like yeah. it always does, and then it would snow, and then it, and then the snow banks would be as high as they are now. Like I remember being in junior high and high school and going out in the snow, being way over my head, like mm -hmm. all winter. Back in the day, back in the day, oh yeah, back in the fifties. Really aging myself yeah. now, but this was from my dad. Reminder, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but we are uh, thinking of course of people that are in a tough spot we know it's not easy to be 
really a prisoner in your own house is how it must feel for for some people. It's a great time. George is feeling that way, our cat. Yeah. He's quite quite upset. He I made some paths out. for him outside, so he's got a little space to go. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is this podcast is a great thing to listen to if you're locked up in your house, can't get out. Pass some time, yeah. ponder the quote, send some title ideas for yeah. this segment, and uh, we have a lot of ideas for things that we want to do to improve and change the podcast, but we do have two more conferences coming up in yeah. March, so... South by Southwest in Austin first, and then we're off to LA the last week of March. Ooh. So we're we're holding off on all the changes at once until we've compiled our landscape of information, and then we'll be off to the races come yeah. uh, come this spring. Well, let's just jump into it here with uh, Mike, and yeah, his song will play at the the end of the episode. And thanks for tuning in, folks, and can't wait to. Keep bringing you more episodes. And next week's episode is a very special one as well. We're not going to give away the surprise. But our 100th episode. We got to do something special. Yeah, something special is happening and you will hear it very soon. Cheers, everyone. So we do a guitar scratch track. So the, it's, yeah, helps you do everything else but you're not like a rough copy sort of yeah yeah but a guide is a good way to put it because mm-hmm. you're using it as you're using it to get everything else recorded yeah and then it's a throwaway or whatever i've heard a few people say ghost tracks yeah i've heard Ooh. that too yeah which is also a guide track like it's all the, the same, same purpose same. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 17 different names so it's the not same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah the jargon's yeah. easy <laughs> Jeez. No, when I'm recording. No wonder I'm always asking these <laughs> questions. <laughs> when when I go to record, I'll typically record my guide track first, and then Bruce will play to that. Then we put everything on top of the drums. The guide track is then gone, but that's the basis of the song. Like I'll I'll make a, a tempo map, like any changes in it. Like it's it's played to a a metronome, a click track we call, and then that's that's the general structure of the song but ultimately we're going to be playing to the drums that's just guiding the drums where you want them to go but is so is the guide track always with the purpose of for the drummer not not all the time everyone has a different uh okay like you could have well scratch vocals or guide vocals or a lot of time you just throw up a mic sing it just so when you're playing you can hear it and you know where you're at in the song but you have no intention of keeping that vocal. You might use a different mic. You might just really focus on it. Like you don't care if you're off key or whatever, as long as it's there and it can help you, you know, it's going into the chorus or the bridge is coming up or whatever. It just helps you know where you're at in the song. Well, and because we have a professional drummer in the room, does that (laughs) process ever start with you? Like, would you ever record drums and then the song is built around that? The drums normally, whether whether the other instruments are keeper tracks or not, the drums are normally the first thing. Well, I'm saying normally in all in my experience of recording, normally you get the drums first. Right. I've done demoing at different times where, just like you said, somebody plays the song through on guitar and then you follow it on the drums. And I've gone in, I've done some recording sessions where the drums were keeper tracks and they might even might have even been uh, electric drums or or whatever and gone in and replaced them that way so but have you ever been home and come up with 
a drum solo, essentially, and presented that to a band, and the song is then created from that? Hmm, I don't think I have, but I, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been in bands where a different person, not not the drummer, would come up with a drum beat and say, this is really cool, let's try this, and then I would just learn it quickly, and the song would develop that way. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think I've done it. I play guitar as well, so any writing I do normally happens uh, guitar first. I heard, I think it was the very first uh, Foo Fighters album, Dave Grohl went in and just, obviously he wrote all the parts in the song, but he just played the drums without anything else there. Cause yeah. he, he knew how, he knew how it went so well in his own mind that he could just, he remember he could do it. Yeah. But a lot of the times you, you need to know like this, this line in the song or this guitar riff kind of cues you to go to the next part. And I don't read, I don't read at all. Yeah. So I, I, I usually, I've demoed that. I've demoed some stuff here and there where I just would play it through by memory and hopefully not screw it up, and yeah. then, but it doesn't matter. If With no up, so. other instruments? Yeah, and then yeah. go a layer, whatever, a, a yeah. guitar on top. I've done that before. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I have, I've always kind of wanted to do that on a record, just to go in and play the drums through without anything else. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why, just to say I did yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> it, well, it shows how prepared you are. Really. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how well rehearsed and how well you know it. I think Glenn Milcham, you know Glenn Milcham from Blue Rodeo? Yeah. Drummer. So he plays with Ian Blurton as well. Okay. And I think on one of the records that came out the last couple of years, I think he did a song like that just to the click. Yeah. And he's like high intensity. It's not, they're not simple songs, you know, there's lots of changes and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure he did one that way. And it was just like, when you listen to it, it's like mind blowing that he could pull it off. Yeah, that is, that is intense. Yeah. What's your preferred uh, brand of drumstick? I use Los Cabos, which okay. is a um, uh, New Brunswick company. All right, yeah. that's what Bruce uses too. Yes, isn't it? I think yeah. Yeah, I have a. I think Bruce has an endorsement with them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so they just I, send I, you I, cases of sticks, and you beat them up, and I, I buy them at a discounted rate. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I get to say I have a, a drumstick endorsement. Yeah. yeah, but I was using those sticks for. I, I can't remember when the company, when they came out, but I, I was using them basically from the start because they were as local a product as I could get. And yeah. then when I tried them and they were really, really good, um, I didn't break them the way I broke um, at whatever. I used to break sticks like crazy. I never break these. So mm. um, I've been, I used them for 10 plus years, I think, before. That's a good uh, plug for yeah. the company. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah. I don't know if it'd be worth it to have an endorsement with a company that I was breaking sticks constantly, yeah. right? So yeah. 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 Sometimes if people give you free stuff, it doesn't mean it's great stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah. anything for free if I can. Hey, partners. This is how it all started. <laughs> if I if I go somewhere with free food, even if I'm not hungry, I just have to feel like I have to eat. <laughs> Got to eat something. Or put something. Yeah, in there's my been times where you've actually had a moral dilemma about this, like so stuffed, sick, but it's free food, so you feel and guilty not accepting it. Free booze is the worst. Like, <laughs> yeah, that can I don't, be bad. I don't want to drink, but it's free. <laughs> free booze is the worst, says the musician in the room. Yeah, yeah, well, at at events where you're not planning on it. Yeah. It, it's fine now, but in the past, like when you're young and you oh, man, somewhere. in your twenties yeah, or, or whatever, an event with free booze, not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was amazing. I'm sure it didn't the, feel that way. 20 oh, though. Amazing at the time. <laughs> like, yeah. So you've Bad been news. at this for a while, Mike. Yeah. 
because so like my well mike ryan presented this as yeah he's been playing music longer than i have which it was my scale of just uh your level of commitment to this world right yeah, yeah. i'm older so <laughs> you'll catch up how did uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> how did music come into your life what's uh your origin story well i grew up my dad's maynard morrison oh i think okay which i, which I yeah. think you knew yeah um and so i grew up around the Rise and Follies and Summertime Review. I just grew up kind of in that world. Yeah. He was also, his career was as a high school drama teacher. Yeah. At the school I went to. And uh, since I was a little kid, I was, I would hang around productions and, and uh, kind of see all the behind the scenes stuff. And I yeah. just, I don't know, I, I guess I just was born into it in a way, yeah. you know, like it just uh, was a thing that I, that I took to early on. Where's, where's drums the uh, first thing you did or? First thing I did with any kind of success. <laughs> <laughs> I took guitar lessons when I was really little and didn't take it all. And then, uh, and it, again, from hanging around the summertime review sets and, and, you know, we would, as a family kind of do legs of their tours and stuff and I'd see the show. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there were summers where the only people that had seen the show more often than me were like the, the techs and stuff like yeah. that who were part of the production. I, I'd, I'd see, you know, 10 or 15 performances of the show in a yeah. summer kind of thing. And yeah, I think it was just the drums and the drummer at the time in that show. I think I just thought it was cool and yeah. decided I wanted Gets to try to that. Gets to hit things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when when did you first get a kit? I think I must have been in grade nine. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I still remember the kit. I wish I still had it. It was a blue Stuart kit, which is like a old, like made in Japan, I believe. Like knockoff of old Ludwig's or something like that. I don't that. think I've but, ever heard of Stewart. Yeah, I haven't seen too many of them around. There's a few around. I somebody recently bought one, and I was yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, so they're not super common. I think probably there were factories uh, just chugging out drums, and they would put different labels on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Stewart was one, and I can't remember. There's a bunch yeah. of probably other companies. So the yeah. So I dinner. think I was. I think what's that? The craft dinner of the mac and cheese world. Yeah. 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 yeah something like that. So yeah, I think it was Christmas when I was in grade nine. I think I had taken lessons for a little bit of time leading up to that. And then uh, uh, the drum kit was was there on Christmas morning. Yeah. Nice. That's a good <laughs> present. Yeah, it was good. It's yeah. a brave yeah. present. Yeah. It might yeah. even have been grade eight. I can't really remember. Did you have a garage or somewhere where you could... Uh, basement. Basement, basement yeah. of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, like I think a lot of kids, when you get into something like that, I was just obsessed with it. So I was there yeah. all the time and... If, you know, supper was ready or we had to do something or my parents needed me to be quiet, the light would just flash on and off. My mom would just, <laughs> at the top of the basement stairs, flick the yeah. light on and off. <laughs> That's a good signal. Yeah. Did sure. you have the benefit of a school band? Was that an option for you? It was an option, school? but I didn't do. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was an, I was a failed band student as well. I think I showed up to do school band and then I, I, I can't remember. Something turned me off of it and I just didn't, I didn't go back to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, joke's on them now. Well, it'd be, be nice if I knew how to read music. I probably would learn that. It doesn't come time. in handy. That <laughs> 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 says the guy who doesn't read as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had a number of musicians on that don't read music. And I, this is me not being a, a trained musician and certainly not a drummer, but I, I see your instrument as something that is so much in the body like it's so much about your natural rhythm that i wonder how much benefit like like i see it, reading music is almost a deterrent to really tuning into that part of yourself and your body mm -hmm. that might give you the leverage to be a great drummer 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think reading would come in handy if I wanted to do a lot of studio work or, or uh, you know, just do gigs that weren't in a band that I'm in and know know everything really sure. well, right? Uh, so it's just another skill, but, but yeah, no, it's <clears throat> all, for me. It's always just been natural, intuitive, whatever. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I learned, and uh, that's kind of my that's kind of what I want to do. So, yeah. yeah. I used to be like resistant. I used to be like wear it as a badge of honor that I couldn't read music and I don't have any kind of training, but I've, I've outgrown that (laughs) that, like part of my life, but, uh, I do, I do appreciate it, but, um, yeah, it's just never been my thing. Mm. Is it something you can teach? Like, do you feel like you would be able to teach someone how to find that place within themselves to feel the music? I think there's two, there's kind of two ways of looking at that. And one is somebody can get technically extremely good at whether it's drums or whatever like you can hit all the the right things in the right order i don't know if you can teach feel to people i think i think that's in a person Mm -hmm. and and i think that goes across the board with with music especially whether it's guitar drums or whatever i think feel is in a person and I, i i don't know what do you think you think you can teach musical feel to a person Well, first off i think feel is the most important thing uh, especially for the styles we play, like if you're playing rock music or something where there's some energy attached, if you're on a cruise ship or whatever, something where it's very systematic, almost like math-like, like you can just put the sheet music in front of you and play exactly that because everybody's following that. And that's when that comes in handy. You still feel can come into play and you have groove and all that. But I think just knowing like and i've played with or seen people who have like high high levels of music education and they couldn't just jam with people though like you just sit down with a group of people to and work on some songs and these people who have a phd in music aren't able to just fit in there and that's where feel comes in handy like you're Mm. you're not thinking about it but you're reacting to what everyone else is doing. You're hearing this rhythm or this uh, this guitar line, and you're kind of reacting to that and bouncing off that. And sometimes when you're so caught up in the, I guess, what's right and wrong in music, and, and you, you've followed these uh, formulas for, for years, those situations aren't really where you thrive. And, and of course, they can do things that I can't. Like, But uh, in, in those just situations where you're getting together with a group of people and just jamming, you know, like that's mm-hmm. not necessarily where no music theory or being able to read music comes in handy. Just being around music your whole life and working with other people and just... Uh, playing with guitar with two other people or whatever it may be like that, that teaches you, I think to have some type of feel or at least recognize it. Yeah. That makes sense. And there's people that can do all of that, right? Like, yeah. Like right. The, the super high, uh, level of competence with all the theory and, yeah. and reading and all that stuff. And they have incredible feel and, mm-hmm. uh, that's... and they play guitar for like Taylor Swift and stuff and make <laughs> yeah. like a couple hundred grand a year. Whatever. Yeah. They, yeah. they get all, the, they're really good. So they get whatever job they want. You know? Both is best. Yeah. <laughs> that's another funny thing about like, you know, growing up around music and, you know, being a kid in bands and just like wanting to be a punk or whatever. And I'd look at a band like that and be like, Oh my God, this is brutal. These guys are terrible. They're not Mm. even that good. And then 
But now I recognize that those are the best musicians yeah. in the world. Like those people that are on those big stages and they're playing the same thing every night or whatever. But if you ever saw one of those people like just unleash or do a studio session or something yeah. or, uh, you know, a clinic or whatever, it's just amazing. Yeah. Right. The, the level of musicianship that, yeah. that those people have to possess. And they're, they're on stage every night doing that same thing because they're never going to make a mistake. Never. Right? Never like, a mistake. They are so able to do that. They can do something completely different and be amazing at that. But when you're at that level, you're just... And you're in the shadows, like you're behind yeah. whoever this front person is. But though, yeah, those bands are, they're basically freaks. I yeah. learned recently that Taylor Swift's band is her original band. Oh, really? Yeah. These are the people she's been playing with since day one. Oh, wow. Which is fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, that is to me too, yeah. But uh, I want to ask you both one more question about feel. Because yeah. it's just coming to mind that f for people that, Aren't, that don't do what you do they may wonder like what exactly do, does that mean and and i think i think by this time in the podcast we've talked about this enough that that's clear but when it comes to when it comes to your intuition what happens if if you yourself are feeling off that day and i don't mean applicable to your music but if you're feeling sad or depressed or angry or something like that does that interfere with that intuitive way of playing your instrument I think it it can, but it can also, I think, make it better sometimes. Okay. You know, if you kind of lose yourself in it. When I think back to like, kind of like the high points of live performance, a lot of times it's, I'm in a place where I'm not even thinking about the song or what's happening next. And it's just, things are happening. And I think if you go into it with, like you said, like, you know, you're sad, you're depressed, you're angry about something. I, I find it, I kind of zone out of that and... It just, it works. But mm. but I think the opposite is probably true as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's individual. What would you say? Well, I think that anyone who plays by feel obviously still has a just skill set too. Yes. So like if you know your part, like when I'm playing my parts with with my band, like I've played them a million times. I can do them if I'm if I'm sick, if I'm whatever. But I, I think the feel part is kind of more like part of the expression of it. Like it's, I'm playing the same part every time, but, but sometimes you're able to, maybe it's even your stage presence, like that, that shows in the feel or, or maybe that came in when you were crafting the part. One, once you're, once you're playing a show, like I'm not playing completely different parts every time like sometimes like yeah, you hit a different note in a solo or you do a different fill or something but for the most part your feel is who you are i guess and that's just gonna naturally happen in your parts yeah but i i, I guess yeah your, your emotions can certainly affect that and if you were super mad at someone mike i'm sure maybe you <laughs> would hit the drums harder yeah, I think or so, yeah. whatever yeah. whatever it may be uh so yeah, I, th I think anything in life, same with you with painting, like I'm sure if you were having a really bad day, maybe you just naturally pick dark colors, who knows, but I think that creeps its way into to everything. Your jobs are just so unique, and I realize that live performance is but a small percentage of the output of work that you have in your world, everything from rehearsals to recording to administrative, like that's a huge percentage of what you do, but... For a lot of people, if they're having a bad day, they're not 
doing their job in front of an audience who's expecting them to be brilliant and happy and entertaining. So it's just a different it's a different circumstance than for most people when they yeah. think about having a bad day and what that means when they show up at work. So I've I, definitely had shows where over the years where I come off stage at the end and I feel like I've just been going through the motions. Yeah. And, and part of yeah. it is the responsibility to still perform well. Yes. Uh, no matter whether or not I'm, and maybe it's not anything emotional or maybe it's just like, I just don't want to be here today. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but you still have that responsibility to put on a, a good show. Luckily that doesn't happen too often. Normally on stage is, is, is the good place. Yeah. Uh, but I've definitely had that feeling where it's like, well, or halfway through a show, I'm feeling like, wow, I'm really off today. Like, this is not a good, I'm not playing well. And then at the end of the night, you get compliments from your bandmates who say, oh, that was a really, we played well tonight. That was mm -hmm. really tight. Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery. <laughs> we're well, we're our own harshest critics. That's true too. And yeah. when, when uh, you're on stage, you pick up on every little thing you don't do that's right. Yeah. And sometimes you do one thing and then you feel like it's a colossal failure and Singing especially too, like you feel like, because I find like guitar, like I'm always pretty consistent, but sometimes you go up and even if you do vocal warm ups or something, your voice just isn't the same because it sounds slightly different on different days. Like I wake up in the morning and I have a lower register than I do in the evening. Mm -hmm. Like when I wake up and I pick up a guitar, my fingers aren't like, oh, I can't hit these notes like <laughs> maybe if you have arthritis you're a little stiff or whatever in the morning <laughs> but yeah vocals are kind of a little bit harder to control than than a lot of instruments well the drums are so physical too is that something that you've had to train your body for like aside from just playing music no i think it just kind of came i think i th i think the training is the playing yeah for me yep and it's it's like like guitar, you know. You have to get your fingers beat up enough that you're you're not cutting them and callousing them all the time. Yeah. And, and it's the same. Like I remember as a kid, like my hands just being wrecked because I played drums for thirty six hours that week or whatever. Yeah, you know, every yeah. free second I had, and my hands would just be destroyed. <laughs> and that just doesn't really happen anymore. You know, okay, occasionally I'll get a blister or a callus from drumsticks, but it's yeah. Do know. any drummers wear gloves? Yeah, I've, I see. Thing? I see drummers wear gloves. Yeah, okay. yeah, the bad yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm sure there's lots of amazing. Ones I'm sure there are. Yeah. yeah, you won't even use an umbrella because you think it makes you look soft. <laughs> I was in. Kate Bretners don't use umbrellas. <laughs> I was in a shuttle once. Uh, He's from the West Coast. It's windy over there. Too. <laughs> I, I was getting a shuttle ride from Cape Breton to Halifax, and the. The driver, I can't remember his name. He was in the Men of the Deep. He's pretty stereotypical Cape Breton man. And we pulled into Halifax and saw a guy walking with an umbrella. And he's like, you know what? If someone, if a man in Cape Breton had an umbrella, someone would hit him with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I really mean, resonated with probably, you clearly. Probably true. So from that day, I never used an umbrella. <laughs> Unless we're traveling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't let someone who I grew up with see me with an umbrella. Heaven Jesus. forbid the yeah. cardinal sin of no. Cape I actually men. don't. I don't mind getting. I like the rain. I'm a, a weirdo like that. Oh well. I so, put a garbage bag over me before an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that too. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear your band history. So if you could tell me about your very first band, what you were called, oh, sure. where you played. 
Yeah. If I have the 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 timeline correct, <laughs> <laughs> the very first band, the very first live performance I did, I'm going to tell you two things, and one of them is right, and one of them is incorrect. Okay. One Do you want me to guess which one ha- one's well, true? No, I can't no. remember. <laughs> I can't remember which, which happened first. Um, so I, it was the Sydney Academy, can't remember what they called it, variety show, talent yeah. show or whatever. And there was always, there would be skits and mu- music and whatever else. And I, so I submitted a band, like, you know, a three piece band uh, that we were going to do a performance. And it was, um, it was myself, one of my best friends growing up who lived down the street from me and my now wife. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> right? mm. uh, so <clears throat> I just submitted and it, the form said, you know, what is it? And I just said, you know, band or whatever. And uh, my name was on it. And then when the, when the program came out, it said Mike Morrison trio. Uh. And I was mortified. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like it, it hadn't even occurred to me that there would be a name like, the band needed to have a name yeah. or whatever, right? So we played, we played Wipeout. Nice. It was all instrumental. We played Wipeout and we played kind of a weird compilation of several different ACDC songs. Yeah. Like two or three ACDC songs that we played parts of and then transitioned into another song. Yeah. Because nobody was singing. And, <laughs> and my friend, uh, my friend Jay McKenzie, who lived down the, the other side of my block he loved acdc at the time so that was our first performance with that band do you think any other band in the history of the world ever did wipe out in an acdc medley can't imagine very di- yeah very different <laughs> approach there what does well, your wife play she played bass yeah. yeah she doesn't she doesn't uh doesn't pick it up too much anymore but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so we were in a band together for that was a little bit of time that band became we we had another friend join on second guitar. I started singing and drumming, and we had a few songs we wrote. We played a lot of weird cover songs and stuff, and uh, we eventually called that band Crosstown Traffic, which is the name of a Jimi Hendrix song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix obsessed at the yeah. time, still mm-hmm. still a huge fan. Ridiculous name, but uh, anyway, that was the name of that band. So the other potential first time I played <laughs> live with people was I was in the band for the Sydney Academy Drama Group production for a few years. And I can't remember if my first time performing was in that context or with the other band. Okay. Yeah. So great. And that would have been grade grade nine. And then, so after school, did you know that this is what you wanted to pursue full time? I don't do this full time. Okay. No. So did you go to the university or what? I, I did eventually. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I attempted to do this full time for, okay. <laughs> for for many years. I yeah. guess I I guess I did do it full time for many years. It just wasn't very uh, lucrative, or uh, yeah. I don't want to say it was unsuccessful, but it was. It just didn't turn into a career any of the times that we kind of really attempted to to make it a career for lots of various reasons. And now the four of us in the band now are like I'm. I'll be forty nine next month. Mm-hmm. The, the other guy, I'm the oldest guy, but like the youngest guy in the band is uh, I can't remember. Like we're all in our mid forties, right? At least. Yeah. Uh, we all have kids, we all have jobs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we try to do it at, at a high level. We're pretty dedicated to it where we, we rehearse regularly. We're constantly writing songs, putting out records, but yeah, it hasn't been a full-time pursuit in quite a while. Was, is the man you're referencing when you were pushing it hard at Rock Ranger? Pre-Rock Ranger, I was in a band called Sunfish. Yeah. We went pretty hard at it for, for, it seems like so long, but it was really only a couple of years that we were really 
like that was what we were going to do. That's what we tried to do. Yeah. And then with Rock Ranger as well, we, we went pretty hard for probably, we were a band, we were an active band for seven or eight years and we went pretty hard for five, about five years. Yeah. yeah. How were you touring the country? Where were you going? We didn't actually tour beyond the Maritimes very much. Yeah. Uh, we played Toronto and Montreal like a couple times, but we would be gone. Just the way it worked out, we, we were almost like a weekend warrior band, but we were gone all the time. Like yeah. Charlottetown, Moncton, Halifax, whatever. Like we'd set up like a, you know, two or three or four a day little run of shows. And, and we just did that a lot for, for a few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we didn't ever, I've never toured coast to coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask, when you made the shift from playing music full time into not doing that, how did you know that that was the right time in your life or what, what was it that led you to make that decision? Like I always, I always worked as well. Like we always, okay. I, I, we've always had, I'm talking, when I say we, I mean all the people I've played with over the years, like we've always kind of had something else, a job. So it was always like, it wasn't like a hard line decision. It was just kind of like this, maybe this band ends or whatever. And then, so now, now I work full time or whatever, right? Yep. At some point though, I did, I mean, I, you asked if I, if I've been to university, I, I have done a lot of university. So at some point, I'm trying to remember, I think it was after Sunfish ended, I think is when I went to uh, university for the first time to do an undergrad degree. And then that kind of just had the ball rolling towards, you know, cause once you kind of get into that, then, you know, you have some prospects to do some things or whatever. And that ball just kind of kept rolling, even through Rock Ranger, even though we were going pretty hard, I was still kind of on that track as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm a full-time teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been doing that for quite a long time now, actually 18 years, I think is how long I've been teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so you, I, do you feel like a natural born teacher? Like, is that how you would identify your, your skill set? Some days. <laughs> <laughs> some days I do, some days is uh, not so much, but. I took a kind of a funny path to, it, it all makes sense now, but I did, I did like a bachelor of arts. I had applied to go to grad school because I wanted to be a university professor. I wanted to be an English professor. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to go, I, I got accepted to a program, was going to go. And then I think what happened was Jody ended up with a full-time job in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And that's we your were, wife? That's my wife. Yeah. yeah. And we, we were planning to go, she was going to, you know, try to work wherever we uh, it was Memorial University, Newfoundland. Actually, I was going to go there to do my master's. And when she got a full-time job, I just, we just made the decision just to stay. And then I think the next year I went to trade school <laughs> for two years mm-hmm. and I worked, uh, I worked in trades for quite a number of years. And then I eventually went back to do my education degree. And then I've since done a master's in education and some other stuff as well. But wow, so it's been a long kind of weird kind of, you know, here and there type of road. Mm-hmm. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I live a very similar life. Maybe that's an artist thing where we're just kind of a little scattered and yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. I've, right. al- I've always had like almost too many varying interests and in things too. So I, I sometimes wish I could just folk, I could have and could still just kind of focus on a thing and really go for that thing. But I've always kind of been all over the place with hobbies and with jobs yeah. and everything. Yes. Yeah. I've always grappled with this too. And especially when I was younger, envied like what I will say, the Sidney Crosby's of the world who knew when they were a child that this is the life they wanted to pursue. Yeah. And I've tried to 
come to terms with my thing is actually that I have lots of things and trying to own that more instead of beating myself up for not being able to choose that one thing and pursue it. But like you, I'm curious, and Mike and I have talked about this at home too, because we have, even even within the world of being an artist, a number of projects, and you sometimes think to yourself, if I put everything I had into just podcasting or just writing or just music, where might my life have taken me? But mm-hmm. it's very hard to sacrifice the other set of interests that you have. Yeah, and of like of all the things I've done, I, there's... It's a it's a thing where you don't you kind of like don't do things and then it's not often you say oh, I wish I hadn't done that right you know like you know if if I hadn't spent however many years trying to be a full time musician maybe I would have had a teaching job fifteen years earlier or something you know or or whatever yeah or picked up another thing that I could have done and focused on that and had a you know a longer career in that but then I wouldn't have the experience of you know sleeping in a van on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> getting those calluses on your exactly yeah on your and soul. everything you can say that like you you may not have your children you may not have yeah. like there's everything any, everything would everything, be different, everything yeah. would be different. Yeah. so it's it's there's no regret in it it's just been all over the place yeah <laughs> yeah if you're if any human is happy with where they are then mm-hmm. no matter what you went through before that is what was supposed to happen yeah yeah like even if it was traumatic stuff like that that might've made you stronger in, in certain ways. Yeah. And you, the, the path you're on is, is going to take you where you're supposed to go. I, I, I feel, I feel like I do believe that and, and they can change at times. And Kristen, up until a few years ago, you were working with the government full time and now you're a, a full time artist. Yeah. And like, like teaching and drumming may sound, they sound like very different worlds. Same as working in politics and being a painter. I mean, I was such an anomaly sitting around boardroom tables and talking about art shows on the weekend. Like that was just not the norm. But I feel like those seemingly opposing worlds have actually served one another. So it's what gave me maybe a bit more, it may be more interesting person at that boardroom table. But also now being an artist, I can apply some of those skills that I learned in a more corporate world to running a business. So I don't know if you've had that experience with Teaching is everything from being in front of an audience to communicating with kids and parents and different demographics that way. Like all of that skill can be applied potentially to yeah. creativity yeah, as the, well. The performance side of it, a hundred percent, like just being used to being on stage, literally on stage in front of people and then having to talk to a group of students or whatever. I'm sure it translates. Totally. Yeah. 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 What's your what's your uh, parallel, Mike? What what outside of creative experiences have you had that you feel serve you as an artist? I've worked well, lots of random jobs. Uh, I think, and most of them were shitty. So they <laughs> kind of they've kind of made me work harder at being a musician. I remember one winter, the the winter of the ice. Do you remember that? We were, when we were living in, uh, we were on Barrington Street, Barrington Street in yeah. Halifax. Taking and out our garbage was a high risk situation. <laughs> but I, I was doing, uh, odd jobs for that German man periodically. Like, yeah. Hey, can you paint my wall? Can you do this? And then he's like, I'm going away for the winter. Can you shovel my driveway? I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man. And he was, he was paying me just cash or whatever. And I'm like, I'll make a few bucks every snowstorm. And so they were gone for like two months and, uh, this winter 
was when every, I don't know if it was every Wednesday or there was an ice storm very frequently. Mm-hmm. And I shoveled his driveway and I threw it all into this one giant pile in the backyard. So, and it just, and then the ice would come and then I'd put more on, then the ice would come. So it was like 20 feet of this giant pile of ice. And then uh, they came home and like, oh, we have to park our second car where that pile of ice is. So I spent like <laughs> 12 hours just freaking using a mall to smash the ice and uh, and then just throw it in another pile like six feet away from it. And I'm like, if I can break ice with a mall for 12 hours, I can... Uh, I can write a few songs and work on this hard in the studio and, you know, post a funny video every once in a while. So The ultimate is, life lesson. Well, yeah. and Feels very karate kid. Yeah. Yeah, really. And, and honestly, just seeing other people have jobs where they are going to them and not liking them and doing that every day for 50 years and mm. wishing they were doing something else. I'm like, well, I got to work my ass off doing the thing I love to do. And it turns it into much more of a job for sure. And there's the business side of things. Like it's not just playing shows and having fun. Like I got to put more time into, into the stuff that I don't really want to do, but I'd rather that than break an ice for 12 hours straight. <laughs> you didn't develop a passion that day. Yeah. <laughs> no. You didn't discover no, your I, true love. I don't <laughs> mind, uh, don't mind the cold or being out in that. Um, but it was just a little too much. Yeah. I think. When the novelty wears off, yeah. it might feel different. <laughs> that, I think that same year, there's a funny story. Uh, my cousin, uh, he was, he was working. <laughs> An equally shitty job. He was, uh, every night trains from Quebec would come in and he had to go and <laughs> knock the ice off these trains. Oh my God. And he was down one night and it was like minus 30 or minus 40, like the coldest night of the year. And our other buddy was there and he's, he's pretty tough and a hard worker and used to working these, these hard jobs. <laughs> my cousin was. Just like it's four in the morning, minus 30, and he was just basically about to break down. Like, this is the lowest moment of my life. And our other buddy turned to him and said, this is the best job I ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Patty, you're a crazy fella. It's all about perspective, huh? Yeah. (laughs) There's lots of days. uh, I I said this to somebody the other day at work. There's lots and lots of days where... uh, I'm standing in the shop. I, I teach a trades program now at a, at a high school, but there's lots of days I've been in the shop and I look out the window and the, the building custodian is out mowing the grass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, I would just love to trade with him just, just for the day. I'd love to yeah. go mow the grass for the next three hours. I have to say <laughs> with all the buildings I've worked in, the custodians are often the most peaceful joyful yeah. <laughs> staff members in the building. They got their tunes on, they're just doing their own thing. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like a job where you know what the exact tasks are. It's it's um something to be said for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's not it's hard, very hard work. Um and not the most glamorous thing, but something where you do this, 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 then your day's done. 
clean the floor. Yeah, whatever. you're not taking your job home with you at night. Yeah, and stressing that, about that it. part of it's really nice for sure. And and yeah, I've I've experienced that many times in in jobs where where yeah, you your task is completely this with playing music. Your tasks, your your to do list is is endless. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no end to the list. So you're thinking about in bed at night like what am i gonna post about on social media tomorrow or whatever it is but uh some yeah sometimes when i've worked random jobs where it's it's completely done at the end of the day that's a pretty darn nice feeling yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i worked as a carpenter for a couple years on and off over the years i worked as a carpenter and you know you put up a wall and then you walk away yeah (laughs) Yeah. the wall's wall's there yeah Yeah. whatever it is you mentioned you're all like within the same age range in your band right now. Yeah. I have observed Fire Valley Fire. Fire Valley yes. Fire. Yeah, name here. FEF. Um how I'd like to learn more just about the male friendship and the importance of that to you as a band because I I feel as a woman we're very fortunate that like it's pretty easy to kind of open up to my female friends and we have this sense of unity. It's harder for men. It's always been harder for men. And that may be changing, but I'd like to hear kind of how that fits into your life and the importance of being in that group of, of men, friendships. I don't, I don't never really thought about that before. We're, we're close, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've, we've been in this band for, it's pushing 10 years now. Okay. So it's been a while. So, and, and I played, Dan was, our guitar player, Dan Baldwin, he was, um, he was in Rock Ranger as well. So I've known Dan forever and ever. Well, yeah. So no, you know. We're, we're, we're close friends for sure. Yeah. 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 Is it, I don't know how to answer the, the other part of the question. Do you know if you would, do you think you would have that friendship just external of the band or has that sort of been able to fill that gap for you? All my best friends over the years have been musicians. Okay. <laughs> you know, more or less. Yeah. Uh, I, I should correct that. All my male best friends, because, well, I mean, I'm married to one of my original bandmates, I guess. Oh. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what I, that's what I'm getting at. Like it's, yeah. it served that purpose in your life that not all men have that. Yeah, option. I just I, I I'm in my head thinking through that. I'm having a hard time separating the two things just because it's it's been so long, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great thing. Like I'm still. Uh, well, we're staying at my friend Scott Brown's place in in uh, Halifax while we're up here, and he's the bass player in Sunfish. Mm-hmm. Right, like we've been friends since then, right? So yeah, yeah. it's kind of. You mentioned this recently, Kristen, where you you started your uh, your artist way online course, and you have twenty people who signed up, twenty women, and there's you, Steph, and Aaron putting on the course. So twenty twenty three gals in there, and you guys open up like right away <laughs> as soon as the first session happened. You're like all super close and talking about your deepest and darkest fears and whatever it may be and you were like i wish guys had that and it is true that guys aren't really great at kind of opening up about whatever the negative things in in their lives but i think playing playing in a band or even playing sports or just having just a group of friends you're just when you're, uh, we don't necessarily communicate the same way, mm-hmm. but I think just having that camaraderie is just a big thing. Just, uh, just to know that they have your back, kind of thing. 
And that's the same thing, really. It's just, it's expressed differently. And I don't think one is better than the other, but me not being in the same social settings that you are with your groups of friends that are also your bandmates, it's just a, a curiosity, I suppose, that I have not being part of that world and how those, because you're not just going to work. Like I think back to working in government, I had lots of coworkers that I enjoyed working with, but they didn't become my, my buds. Mm, yeah. You're going to work with your, yes, they're still coworkers, but the relationships you develop seem to be quite different than mm. a typical job. You have to be super close if you're going to be in a band going on the road. If you're yeah. in a small, in a vehicle for extended periods of time, in hotels, on stage together, mm-hmm. like it's, it's v- very different than being in an office environment where, where you're in the, in your little, your area from whatever X amount of time to this time, but then you get together for a meeting and then you go your separate ways. But in a, a band or sports team or something like that, you're, and obviously females are in, do both as well, but uh, you, you are so close together. You can't help but <laughs> share a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. It's just inevitable. I, th- I think with, <laughs> I, I think this is at least partly true that with guys, a lot of the, a lot of that side of a relationship that you're talking about, I think a lot of it's implied. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Like, totally. Yeah. I guess that's just. That's a beautiful way of with summing a lot of, it up a lot, so I should simply. say with a lot of guys, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I'm also feeling self-conscious because I said all of my best friends over the years have been musicians and I'm now worried that some of my non-musician friends will listen to this. So, uh, you know, I well, you. I was asking you a very targeted question <laughs> yeah, in fairness, so I will take the brunt of any backlash for that. <laughs> but yes, it's a, it's, yeah, it's just a different social world that you're part of yeah. that I was wondering about. What does Fire Valley Fire have on the go coming up? We just released a record. Our third record in October, I think is when it came out. We're, like I said, we don't, we don't really have prospects of touring or anything like that. We're, what we're going to try to focus on this time around is just trying to get the record out as much as possible, which is becoming, as I'm sure you know, it's just, it's getting more and more difficult to like people. Reach people. To reach people and for people to have the attention span to listen to something new or listen to a whole record or whatever. So We've been trying to promote it a fair bit. One of the guys uh, has been working uh, working on trying to get some applications in for some like summer festival shows and stuff like that and, and yeah. try and do some of that. I'd like to get on the road a little bit more, like, you know, play semi-locally around the Maritimes. We, we've, we've played Halifax. We've played a few other places around, but we don't, we don't go, we don't go hard like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, so I'd like to get out and do a little more. Away from home shows. Yeah. You can only play Sydney so often. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, like I said before, we, we work fairly hard and consistently at it. And like we've re- released full three, uh, three full length records on vinyl and we're really happy with them. And yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a nice thing, but the other side of it is just, it's just not really in the cards for us at this point, but. What's yeah. the origin story of your band name? I was hoping you would ask. Is <laughs> <laughs> actually. If any of the other guys were here and you asked that question, they would look at me and start laughing because it's been a running joke in the band that I actually have no idea. <laughs> and uh, and every time, like again, you feel like you're not in on the joke. No, no, it's just that, like at this at this point, we've been asked a bunch of times. I was not the I was not the original drummer in the band. So when the other three guys and another 
drummer started playing, there was a very brief period of time where they played and then they kind of, for whatever reason, they kind of gave up on it. And, and then when Justin and Dan and Morgan decided they wanted to keep playing as a band, then they asked me to play. So there's not a long history that doesn't involve me, but there is just a tiny little bit of history. And that's where the band name came from. (laughs) And at one interview early on, somebody asked and I just, I answered, it's like, I actually have no idea. And they haven't told me and I haven't asked since then. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you still don't know. No, nope, This I is don't a know. mystery like for us. We went to, when we, when we eloped in Jamaica, we went to uh, Bob Marley's, the museum there. Like his, uh, I guess it was his house or whatever. He, he lived there at some point. And our tour guide, he was out of his mind on meth. So, uh, so we didn't learn anything about Bob Marley. He just, uh, yeah, couldn't tell you a single thing after an entire day and, with uh, a guided tour. So, ha, ha, ha. What's his name? Captain, uh, I got it in our, I wrote a story about it in our book, but the funny thing is, I'm like, oh, go learn some about Bob Marley, like, amazing musician, great songs. And I'm like, how did Bob Marley die? And, uh. So I'm like, oh, we'll find out on the tour. And then we didn't find out on the tour. And I'm like, okay, I cannot learn this information now. So I intentionally stay away from learning about the death of Bob Marley. So I have no idea how he died. That's funny. And you've intentionally never learned the origin it just, of it Fire be, Valley It Fire. became funny. Yeah. And I think at one point I said, okay, I don't want to know. Yeah. D- please don't tell me. And it's probably something, it's probably just dumb. It's probably just they, three words sounded cool together or something. I don't know. I'm going to have to yeah. find it. I won't tell you. You can ask I one of the other guys. If you, secret, yeah, if, we, but... if, you, if, you, if you, you know, if you run into the other guys, you can ask them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to have a joke in Rock Ranger. Me and Jay would joke around sometimes about the name of the band, which is kind of a dumb name, really. Like, I mean, most... Most band names are kind of dumb to the person yeah. in the band. I think like it's, you just hear it so often. It just, yeah. anyway, we used to have this joke where it was something like, you know, you're, you're having fun, you're playing music, you're partying all the time. Everything's crazy and it. You're having such a blast. And then before you know it, everybody knows your name, your band is called Rock Ranger, but it was like a joke name or something. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Do you know how that name came to be? Yeah. That, that's a dumb story too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a f- funny, but dumb story. Jay used to do this thing. Just, this is Jay that, Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is that band, Wasted Rock Ranger, that song. I can't remember what the band. Is that Poison or? I can't remember what band it was. Some like hair metal band. The song called Wasted Rock Ranger. Oh, okay. And Jay used to do this thing sometime at shows where he would take a beer. I can't remember the exact sequence of things, but he would like, he would like, it was a three-step process where he would cover the, the beer shake it and then spray it or something like that and he'd say waste it rock ranger this this is yeah. pre-rock ranger yeah he would yeah. do that and then uh yeah when he called me up to see if i wanted to jo- start this new band with him that was the name of the band so yeah. <laughs> how did you I take out wasted I, I don't know <laughs> should have just been wasted rock ranger. actually i think when he called me he said do you want to uh join my new band the rock rangers i think is what yeah. he said the first time yeah mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Where did you and Jay first meet? Must have been just at shows, mm-hmm. uh, like in Sydney, all ages shows, probably. Yeah, I would say yeah, it would have had to have been all ages shows because we were we would have been that age, not of age. Yeah, Jay was like three three years behind me in school, but yeah, so it was through school or through. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just has to be through shows. Yeah, yeah, that would be. But you you were from the same place and 
Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah. we're from both from Sydney. He's from. Uh, we were talking about neighborhoods earlier. He's from the pier, and I'm, I was from Ashby. So okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not too far away. Same high school. Yeah, and what what are some of your your good memories of you guys? Uh, just the the music, really. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, we we did a lot together. We did a lot of playing, and I still get emotional <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking sure. about it ten years later. But yeah, yeah, we were pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. it's um. Yeah, me too. It's uh it's been a very uh he's one of the people I think his legacy has lived on so vibrantly. Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. 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 Like there's such a community around his his spirit. It's it's very moving just yeah. how you've all made a point to to recognize and just cherish those memories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty it's been special for sure. Yeah. 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 And uh was it last year there was the 10 year. The 10 year. Yeah. Yeah. Year, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was quite a, quite a show too. And this is really the point I'm making is even 10 years later, the shows have only gotten bigger and grander. Yeah. In yeah. His last memory. year was. And there was a young crowd too. Yes. Like last year people. was yeah. amazing. It was over yeah. the top, uh, how big that show was and yeah. sold out. And yeah, yeah for, to see uh, a bunch of people I don't know and like a lot younger than me in the front while Rock Ranger's playing is, is really cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's a big yeah, that's, deal. That's powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shows the the power of both his songs and the reach of them and who he was. Yeah. Like it's it resonates with people through the stories that people are telling yeah, through sure. the yeah. the songs living on, people covering his songs and just yeah, there's there's a a a a, a really unstoppable power yeah. to that which is amazing yeah very charismatic person yeah everybody's best friend mm-hmm. yeah. you know super nice guy yeah, yeah if you met him you have a story about him yeah, for yeah, sure pretty so. much yeah yeah <laughs> yeah hell of a legacy to have what a yeah so that's that's amazing that you got to have that that friendship and influence in your life and and be able to carry that with you yeah. now yeah yeah for sure we used to <laughs> We would always, not always, we would very often, if we were playing, if we were away a couple nights, we would often leave the show and drive to the next city overnight. Yeah. For no good reason, really. Or if it was the last night we were out, we'd, we'd drive home overnight. Like we'd leave Charlottetown or whatever and drive the long way around to get home just a little bit earlier. Just the dumbest, dumbest thing. And, uh, I had some good conversations though, I bet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it was inevitably, it would be me and Jay awake and yeah. whoever else was, was with us, uh, whether it was band member or, you know, oftentimes we travel with a couple friends or whatever. Yeah. Everybody would crash and it, <laughs> me and Jay would just stay awake and just be stupid with each other for, you know, five hours at a time. <laughs> the Nighthawks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, those are those are moments that create a, a friendship that yeah. lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. You spoke earlier about being influenced by your dad. Is that something you feel you're passing along to your children? They can both play music. They're not, they're not, they haven't shown a whole lot of interest in, mm-hmm. in uh, being musicians in any kind of serious way, which is totally fine. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. They're, they're into their own, their own things. And so, yeah, I can't, I, like I said, they, they can both play a couple instruments and actually <laughs> funny enough, my, my younger daughter, uh, Rebecca, she's had a more successful 
music career in some ways in the last couple of years that I ever did because she's worked for Parks Canada as a fifer uh, at the Fortress of Lewisburg. So ah. the Fife and Drum Corps, she's been, she was, I think she was, I, I don't know how it works. She, she was like, you know, among the top tier of fifers. I've been telling people she's one of the top fifers in North America because there's, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, it's not, not a common really super job. common, right? So, but yeah, so she was a professional fifer for the last few years. But so, you know, they, they, uh, they have some skill and talent and, and stuff like that. They've done lessons and things like that, but I, I, I don't see it kind of being a part of their life outside of just their own personal enjoyment of doing it. Yeah. yeah. Is your younger daughter still at home? I know you mentioned you were in visiting a university. No, they're both. They're both out. They're both. Okay. Yeah. 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 How, how does that feel? It's uh, it took us a little bit of time to, to kind of get used to the house being empty. Just Jody and I and the dogs and the chickens hanging around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been, it's been good. They, you know, it's all these things are natural things that have to happen. And, and it's been nice to see them kind of grow in a bit, um, outside the house. And like I said, Anna, you know, just what I wanted when I was 20 years old, I would have loved to have an apartment in downtown Halifax when I was 20 years old. Right. Mm. And so now I'll come up and kind of hang out to her place and it's cool. Yeah. Good excuse to come into the city. It is. Yeah. 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 And they like to get home too. Uh, you know, whenever they have a, a long weekend or whatever, they're, they're home. Yeah. Uh, for that. So the summer leading up to the moving was like, cause Jody and I are both teachers. So we, we were off, they work full time all summer. So they're, they're gone all the time anyway. So mm-hmm. they kind of eased us into it in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do in your summers? Do you have a routine? We we do a lot of outdoor stuff. We do a lot of backpacking and hiking and, uh, you know, some, we've done some paddling trips and stuff like that. That's kind of our, it's kind of like what we like to do. So yeah, we usually, we usually plan a fairly significant, some type of outdoor activity, like a multi-day backpacking trip or something like that. Mm. We typically do one or two of those in the summer. We spend a lot of time just around the house too. Yeah. Uh, we have dogs and chickens and, you know, we've got stuff that piles up. It's nice to have the freedom though, as teachers, like we do have the freedom to, if we wanted to zip up to Halifax for a weekend or whatever, go wherever. Mm-hmm. We drove through parts of Quebec last year. We went to uh, Montreal to see a concert and then drove home through the Gaspé area. That's just super nice. Beautiful. We usually plan something like that as well. We'll do uh, some kind of outdoor adventure type trip and then we'll do some kind of trip to Toronto or Montreal or somewhere, you know, just to do some of that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to listen to the same kind of music that you play? I do, but I go through phases of like, just loving really like heavy rock and roll. And then I'll go through phases of listening to like more like ambient psychedelic type stuff. And then I'll go through phases of, or this or that. Right. So, um, I kind of like, I like it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was reading your bio. I want to ask both of you this question. Cause I was reading a little bit about your, your new album. And I think the language was it's decidedly rock and roll. And I loved that line. <laughs> Because it, 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 for, for me, I would read that and think, okay, this is what m- maybe society would label it as if you require a label to, to identify with what we're playing. But I've noticed over recent years, there's a lot of adjectives to use to describe music. So rather than just rock or jazz or classical, there's like 17 subcategories under it. What, how does that factor into you marketing yourself or does that matter? Like, do you feel connected to saying I'm a rock musician or is that more just for everybody else that you put these labels on your genre? 
I don't think any musician wants to label their own music. Okay. It's just you have to. Yeah. You have to have something to say when someone asks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel too? Yeah, I I, I, I hate it all. I okay. hate all that stuff. The, the bios, um, bios. Try and I I normally write. I, I've written the bios for the band, and I I labor over them, but. At the same time, like this is so it's so meaningless, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'll say I'll send a draft to the guys, and they'll be like, "Yeah, it's perfect." And then I'll like look at it again, and I'll I'll like change two words or whatever, and and uh, yeah. So I'm glad you picked up on that decidedly because uh, <laughs> yeah, these think, are the unsexy parts of our jobs, writing bios. Yeah. But but it was it's so subtle, but it it really led to this way bigger curiosity for me to think like I wonder if this label is exactly as you're both describing, like more of a frustration because you feel like, well, I have to put something here so people know who we are. Yeah. And the adjective, really... you're so right about the adjectives. It's just, yeah. And no matter, no matter what one I put down in front of the next word, it's like, no, that's cheesy. No, yeah. That's cheesy. No, that's cheesy. You know? So, yeah. And... For, for the longest time, our bio for anything, like if we were applying for a, you know, a showcase or, or sending some promo or a single or something, our bio for the longest time was, uh, Three guys in leather jackets and another guy. Yeah. <laughs> I like, love that too. <laughs> we put that on so many different things. So uh, we decided this time and we're, we're trying to actually, you know, not that we haven't taken it seriously, but we figured, okay, you know, this is how, this is how everybody does it. We're going to, we're going to kind of try and do a, a good job of doing it this time. Right. So we used to yeah. say, uh, we had a sound. That was between Dwight Yoakam and DMX. Yeah, it's like, that's per- <laughs> like, that's perfect, yeah. right? Because like, DMX so is far. over here, Dwight Yoakam's here. We we don't sound like either of them, but we're probably yeah. close to the middle if you took every type of music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the other game in those things is that you like. How do you describe your music? Well, here's what we like, and I, and I can't remember if it's in the the current bio or not. But like there was references to the fact that sh- sure we have influences that are heavy metal yeah. we have influences that are like glam rock we have in like definitely influences from like the grunge era right like all of that stuff mm-hmm. is definitely there but then like where where does it end <laughs> you just gotta like how mm. many things can you list and have it make sense when you're eating yeah. You know? yeah and you're also influenced by the outdoors and your <laughs> friendships and yeah. yeah your bio could just be listing things that, that would be a great bio yeah. like, for a rock band to just completely ignore all the typical like music influences and just talk about nature or something. Right? We, did, and, uh, we should all write new bios. Our last um, Music Nova Scotia, when we, we played in Yarmouth, I sent in a bio that had nothing to do with music. I said, um, what did I say? Uh, I like walking fast, kicking high, and JFK once asked my grandmother out on a date. And Bruce Gillis once failed a hunter safety test where the question was, what color uh, are the, what are the potential colors for a hunting vest when you're in the woods? (laughs) Red, blue, green, hunter's orange. And uh, he failed that test. I'm not wording it right here, but. uh, That's a catchy bio. Yeah. (laughs) And no one said anything like. I'm like, I, the point of doing it was like, no one gives a fuck what's in here. Yeah. yeah. Which like, you writing that proves that yeah. nobody's even reading it. Then the, one of the reasons I did that, because years ago I saw Winter Sleep do a similar thing. It was like in 
four days from now, you'll receive a letter in the mail. It had nothing to do with music. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It does. I guess if you know who they are already, maybe if you're looking through and trying to find something you might enjoy, it's not the best thing. Yeah. But I figured someone would be like, what's with your bio, man? Or, but no one said anything. So I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But the risk in labels, like I call myself an abstract artist and there would be many people read that and say, I don't like abstract art, yeah. which they're not even willing to look at your work before making that decision. And so I just was wondering how much weight, I suppose, that the, these labels carry in your world. Sounds quite similar. Yeah, well, they, they do for some people, but for the musicians themselves, no one, I, I, I think, not only do people not care, they don't even like it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that answers that yeah. then. <laughs> there we go. This would be another half hour of me and Mike just ranting about... Uh... <laughs> ranting yeah. about bio. I've clearly opened a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for our new and improved uh, yeah. bios, everyone. Not that we don't appreciate the people that are asking for that stuff. Oh, of course. It's just like, it just, it just seems so contrived sometimes. Yeah. yeah. No, I, get I guess that. it is literally contrived. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's exactly that. So, so where can people find you, Fire Valley Fire? Um, it's Fire Valley Fire, wherever you're looking for anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a unique enough name that. No one took it. Nobody took it. Yeah, mm. Actually, we now have firevalleyfire.ca or .com. I can't remember which one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's just uh, links to all the other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And a brand new record out. Only been out a few months. Yeah. And... Yeah. Out a couple months. Yeah. Um, all the links for that stuff is there. It's on all the streamers. All, all the that. stuff. Yeah, every, yeah. Everywhere you go to look for things, that's where... <laughs> That's yeah. where it is. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Are you playing any show with those new songs coming up? We're in the works right now for uh, a show in Sydney. We don't play a lot of all these shows. Uh, so we're we're in the process now of setting up something that I think is going to be kind of fun in a, in a pretty cool, uh, pretty unique venue. doesn't matter if I say it or not, I guess, even though it's not a done deal. But the, there's a really cool uh, old church in North End Sydney. It's one of the oldest buildings probably on the island, but definitely one of the oldest buildings at Sydney, uh, called St. Pat's Church Museum. Um, and, uh, yeah, they occasionally rent it out to do shows in there. So we're trying to set up an all ages show. Uh, there's, there's a really, the all ages scene in Sydney has kind of like been reinvigorated in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, it went through, uh, I think, I think my impression was that it went through like kind of a long a lull for a lot for a long time where it kind of wasn't happening but now there's there's a bunch of uh uh new and young bands that are that are uh getting out there and, and writing songs and stuff and uh so we're we're going to try to put on a you know half decent show with with some of the some of those bands as well cool us old guys and all the all the, the young folks that nice. are doing it too the fresh so. blood yeah so that and um yeah like i said we're <clears throat> we're kind of it's you know it's a long way off but every man in my years away from the industry, the timelines changed because it used to be like, yeah, we want to play a show in Moncton. I better call now because we want to play next month. Right. And mm. now it's like, well, I could book you in six months or whatever. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you've noticed the same thing or, but everything, yeah. like everything is further out now. Yes. So anyway, so we're, we're, we're kind of gearing up for uh, spring and summer stuff. Yeah. And nothing, right. there's nothing set in stone at this point. So hopefully we have some, some news on that front. Yeah. Right on. Well, congrats on the new work. Yeah, That's thank exciting. you. Exciting. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate you guys. It. Yeah. And 
Appreciate you guys having me. All the best with everything coming up. And uh, yeah, keep keep on rocking, bud. Yeah, you too. Yeah, we'll put the links to <laughs> yeah. the, to all the places yeah. for all the songs and the show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for being here. This yeah, is a thank blast. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, fellas.